My name's Tim. Good to have you with us and um, glad you could be here today. Isn't October wonderful? I, this morning, got up early, watched sunrise on my way to putting a few more things and twists and turns in this sermon and, and uh, couldn't help but just notice how beautiful October is. Today we're looking, I think we're in our fourth of five-week sermon series on the mission or He is the mission. And the reason we're saying this is because uh, the Bible... Uh, spells out for us clearly through the life of Christ what He was on on earth to do. And uh, what we've been trying to figure out here, I guess, we've been trying to answer two basic questions in this series. And I sure hope that you're getting this, that you that uh, each of us here, whether we're here sometimes or all the time, whether we're really, really involved here or just on the fringe, that we all will have this same focus. And that is, we're here to do what Jesus did while He was here. We're answering two questions. Why is Greater Elton here? What is our purpose? What's our objective? What's our mission, in other words? And it's to do what Jesus did on earth while He was here. That's why we're still here. Like what Jesus did with His physical body, He wants done with His spiritual body, which is His church. You know, if you and I were going to do have a project, let's say we were going to build a house. Let's see, what kind of people are involved in building a house besides the homeowners and the bank? Let's see, there's the carpenters, duh. Architect, what's some others? Electricians, plumbers, the concrete guys. Got to have the concrete guys. What's that? Inspectors. What's that? The roofers. You gotta have the roofers, exactly. And anybody mention the mud men? The mud men, you know the mud men are. Gotta have the mud men. The mud men, the drywallers, they come in and they put the mud on. I heard a carpenter say, mud men, the carpenter's truest friend. Because they cover up all my mistakes. You know? Oh look, we need to, what are we gonna do here? Don't worry about it. The mud men will take care of it. And so you got the mud men, you got the plumbers, you got everybody working together, and they've got this blueprint, they've got this little idea that they put it on paper. And what are they doing with it? They all gather around and say, okay, we're going to try to do this. This is why we're here. I've got a house right now being built in my neighborhood. I don't know if it's the last house that's going to be built. It's been worked on all year. And it seems like it's taking forever to get this house done. But they, they've got the roof finally up after six months. I thought, come on, get the roof up this thing, on, on this thing. And now they've got the bricklayers have come and laid the brick. And now they're getting the siding put on. And they're working on the interior. What are they all doing? They're all after one thing. They've all got in their mind this home, what it's going to look like, what it's going to, how it's going to function. And they're all different. They're all different, really different when you stop and think about it. And isn't the church like this? We're out, we have a project, an objective, and we're all different. We're all involved in it. That's why whether you're really, really, really involved at Greater, Greater Alton or you're just on the fringe, do you realize you and I must work together for this, this idea that Jesus wants His body to do, and that's make disciples. Look at this passage. It's called the Great Commission. By the way, it wasn't originally called the Great Commission. It took that several hundreds of years, or before, or thousands, a couple thousand years before it was called this. Let's look at this passage here up on the screen. It's in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them, it says. He came to who? To them. Who is them? His disciples. And He says to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to go make more of you as you go. And baptizing them. In the, he gets specific. 
I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach them to obey. There's more to do besides dunk them. Don't drop them. Develop them. Teach them everything I've commanded you. And by the way, I know this is a big job. I will be with you. I promise to be with you all the time while we're doing this job together. Last week, Gary talked about the traits of a disciple. He talked about, well, this is what a disciple looks like. Now you say, why? Why would we? Some of you here go, I could have taught that. And you could have. I'm, I'm sure you could have. Some of us know the traits of a disciple forwards and backwards. Some of us here have forgotten what the traits of a disciple are. It's very important. Whether we know it well and we assume we know it well or we're, it's new to us that we know what a disciple looks like if we're going to make them. What, what does a disciple look like? And so uh, Gary talked about that last week. Now today what I want to do is I want to talk about the environment that we need to have if we're going to make disciples. Gary touched on this a little bit uh, last week and I'm glad he only touched on it. Okay, what I want to do is I want to talk about this. What is this environment? What are you talking about, Tim? It's our ability to love each other, to love each other as disciples. You know, there's a love we have for family. There's a love we have for our neighbor. But then there's a special love that we must have here at our church between believers. Look what Jesus says here. This is John saying this. Happens to be the best friend of Jesus. His best friend writes these words. Let me give you a new command. Would you circle new command? New command? Yeah, I'm going to give you a new command. And then he says this. Love one another the same way as I have loved you. You must love one another. And I thought to myself, well, you've given that command before. No, he hadn't. But isn't it, what's the old command? The old command goes like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19, if you want to know where it is. That's as old as you can get. Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus. Man, we're way back. The Bible commanded, God commanded His people to love your neighbor as yourself. And we're to love all people. I, I really appreciated um, Mike's Lord's Supper. Because we are in a world that's... Man, Satan is out to destroy us. Trying to divide us up politically, you know, with our moral, ethical... Stands, and you know, I. Of course, there's there's things I disagree with. Of course, I have problems with with certain issues in our in our country, and and I and I, and you do too. Well, we don't need to be hating people over this. We've got we've got to, we've got to be the place that brings people together. And so, when God says things like, "Love your neighbor as yourself," He's saying that person that lives next to you, the people that are around you, you should love them like you would love yourself. But Jesus says, I want to give you a new commandment, and this is just between you disciples. This is something for you, the church, for believers. I want you to love one another, not as yourself, but in the same way I have loved you. That's what makes it a new commandment. Jesus takes our love from being a neighbor, from neighborly, to being more intimate in the kingdom, in the church. And that's what I want us to have. That's what God wants us to have. That's what Jesus... He says, you've got to do this. Why? Because everybody will recognize you're my disciples if you love this way. Well, won't they recognize me as a disciple if I love my neighbors myself? They'll recognize you as a good neighbor. A good person. 
But if you really want to get the world's attention and make disciples and have an environment that will do that, it's loving each other like I've loved you. You've got to love this way. And I want to say this to every one of us here, from the, the ones that have been here the longest to the rookies, we have got to get this if we're going to make disciples here. Something's going on in our church. I am telling you, something is going on. There are people that are coming through our doors that used to come. There are new people coming. We're running into. I was at a. We had a wedding here. Ty and Christina Beckel's wedding was here, and Mark and I were the only two members here at this wedding. And I wasn't going to go to the reception because of the campus retreat. And I called my wife. I go, listen, Denise. I got. There's so many people. I don't know what to do. We've got it covered. We've got the food covered. Go to the reception. And I got to sit down at a table and talk to Christina's dad for two hours. It was awesome. It was awesome. I'm going, I walk out going, Lord, I've never, I haven't left a reception like that in a long time. I've, I've talked to friends and family, but to talk to somebody I just met the day before, and we had so much in common. To talk to Ty and to talk to Christina. Denise and I are going to get with them tomorrow night because they forgot the marriage license. How convenient. So we can sign it and talk a little bit more about getting, you know, getting connected to a church. Won't that be a... Oh, be praying about that. Be praying that that will happen. I know some of you here in your neighborhoods, you're reaching out to people. You're, you're opening up the Bible with people. What's going on here? Something's happening. And if, if, if we're going to make disciples... We gotta have a place where people can come and, and know they find the love of Jesus from His people. From His people. A new commandment I give you. I could just see John, the, the disciples processing this, and John must have, he must have been really, it must have been a big impact on him personally because he would write this down in his gospel. He wrote, the, he's the only one who records this. And I can see him processing. Let me see if I get this straight. Because me, I'm the best friend of Jesus. I'm the one, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he's saying, I need to love Peter and the rest of these guys like he loves me. But this is a special love between disciples. And I can see him just processing that and working through that. How that's so much different than just being nice to somebody that's your next door neighbor or kind or giving to the public. You see, guys, when we do this, we make it real clear to the rest of the world we're disciples. And it, and by, by the way, it makes it very easy for us to make disciples here at Greater Alton. So what, what do we learn here? I've got five things here I've learned as if I've looked at this. There's more. And I've, I said, well, there's the ones I've got. As disciples, as followers, we build this environment of love. We love each other like Jesus first. When I decide, as an individual member of this church, I decide to share my life with other disciples. You realize what we are going to do as a church is really rests on your decision today. I'm talking about you personally. What kind of church we're going to be? You think, oh, I, I, I'm a speck. Nobody, you kidding me? You kidding me? 
Where did you get that? Where did you get that idea? That didn't come from heaven. You were purchased by the blood of Jesus. You're very important. You're very special to, to God. You play a vital and significant role in this church if we're going to be a place that loves like Jesus loves you and I and His disciples. Look what it says here in Mark 3. And He chose 12 men. And He's appointed to be His disciples. And it says He wanted these 12 men to be with Him. I want, I want you guys to be with Me. Well, we're with you. No, no. I want you to really be with Me. Why? Because He wanted to send them out to other places to tell people God's message. One of the greatest ways you and I express love to each other is when we make ourselves available to each other. I don't know what happened. I had my life all planned out, didn't you? I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get married. have some kids. It, 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 is that in, in that order. You know, I'm going to be busy. Holidays. Now i got grandkids. My grandkids have already got my inheritance. They've already got it. They don't have, we don't have to have a will, do we? Papa! I feel like Batman. Papa! Yes! What? People! Yes! What? I'm, I'm thinking about getting a spotlight that has PP on it and they can just put it in the sky. i got to go, Denise, to the Papa Mobile. Why? Because my grandkids... And I want you to know, just when I thought my life was busy when I got a job, got out of school and got a job, then it got busier when I got married. And then we had two, two kids. It got real busy. And then I, then I start, start a business. Oh, what are you doing, Tim? I don't know. I, I guess I like multitasking. I, I don't know what, I don't know. And, and, and then grandkids. What? Papa! Yes. Sir. Or ma'am. I feel like the genie in the bottle. Your wish is my command. Milk! Papa! Yes! M&M's. Wait, i got to ask permission. <laughs> I have to be careful. Papa only goes so far in authority. And I'm just saying, it's our lives, they get, they, we get busy, 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 busy. You know it's true. And then Jesus comes along and just messes with it. Interrupts it. And says, okay, I want you to seek me first. Well, can I clock in? What do you mean? Well, can I clock in? No, no, no Tim. You're going to follow me all the time. At work, at home. It's, I need you to get a job done, buddy. But I'm pretty busy. Yeah, I know. And I want you busy getting this job done. Does, doesn't necessarily mean I have to give up all that stuff, but it does mean that I need to adjust all that stuff. And I just, that's what I just noticed is, it, is it that, that if we're going to have love, in this church, at Greater Alton Church, like Jesus wants between disciples, it's going to mean you and I are going to have to break through the superficial somehow. We're going, to, we're going to have to deal with our selfishness that builds these, these walls of time and space to where I'm not on call right now, Lord. We say, we use the F word a lot. I'm sorry, family. I'm sorry, family. We'll say, I got things, I got family commitments. And I, I want to tell you, I, I believe family is very important. 
But Jesus would say, my family are those that do the will of God. He broadens it out for you and I. And he's saying, man, it's important. You see, let me ask you a question here. It's very important I make myself available to give love and to receive love because that's how Jesus trained people. That's how disciples are developed. By being available to give and being available to receive. Let me ask you a question. Is Sunday the only time you see other disciples? Is the only time you see other disciples at small group? Tim, I'm busy. I'll put my schedule up against anybody's. I know that. I understand that. I don't, I have people say, I don't know how you do everything. I don't do everything. That's the secret. You only, you do what, you do what you think is important and you let the chips fall, folks. But is Sunday the only time you see disciples? Is your small group the only time? Is it a one week deal is what I'm trying to say? See, if the only time you're seeing other disciples, you say, well, I see other church believers. I'm not talking about them right now. I'm talking about us. Us. If the only time you're seeing a member of your church is once a week, there's something wrong. I'm just going to put it, it's the elephant in the room. You know that. There's something wrong. What's wrong about it? Well, you're not going to be able to love or receive the kind of love Jesus is talking about with an appointment once a week. And guess what? You're not going to grow very much either. Now, I know I, 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 I want to say something to the campus and the high school. I know you guys, a lot of people think you've got lots of free time and all you do is sit around and play video games which maybe some of you do. But you got all this free time, and it's easy for you guys. I mean, it's easy for you guys, right? Well, you do go to school, right? But, you know, you're with each other. It's, you th- it's easy for campus, right? And you get the impression, adults at campus, why they're just together all the time. You know why they're together all the time? Because they try to be together as much as they can. But i got news for you high school and campus students. You're going to graduate someday. And what we call the real world is going to be out there. So I wouldn't be too critical of the adults. Because you're going to find out there's a lot of things that are after your time. Now adults, I know you're going, about time somebody said that. Let me say something to you. We need to give our young people some hope and purpose that they see that we're serious about this. That we do adjust our time and our schedule. That we are willing to sacrifice or whatever it takes in order to have a church that builds and makes disciples. Would you agree with that? But we all have it. And by the way, campus, the campus life isn't all rosy. I mean, they got their deadlines and term papers and, and their stuff. And the high school life isn't all rosy. Well, the kids, they got it made. Everything's done for them. But it ain't always rosy being a kid either. They got their stuff they're dealing with. We all can have excuses for why we're not connecting. But I'm telling you, the greatest, the greatest way you could connect 
or the greatest way you can express, one of the greatest ways you can express your love is just being available and making and connecting, being proactive in connecting with other believers. See, Jesus didn't get with His disciples once a week. He did not get with them once a week. He didn't separate his spiritual life from the rest of his life. It was all life. And so this mission, this, this objective was always in the back of his mind, influencing the daily decisions he made with what he did with his time, his talent, and his treasures. I mean, just look at Jesus. Look, look what he, when you read, of course, you know, you read how he treated the woman at the well and how he took care of the demon possessed man. I love those stories. But I started looking, going, okay, what did you do with these guys? Well, he went on cruises, boat rides, funerals, weddings, lots of eating together. They hit all the restaurants. You know, went camping together. They went out in the wilderness together. They'd walk together. They were spending all the time together. Well, Tim, you know, they didn't have as much responsibility back then. Really? <laughs> you know, I mean, they didn't, listen, they didn't have Facebook. They didn't have smartphones. Their FaceTime was literally <laughs> together. And that's why the early church was. They met together all the time. Every day they found a way to connect. By the way, does it mean that you have to be physically present with somebody to fulfill that? Principle? Absolutely not. You can get on your phone. You can get on your computer. There's so many ways to connect now. So there's some guys I call in my discipleship group every day. Why? I don't know. I just do. And when they don't show up for group, I'm not worried about it because we've been connecting all week. So I'm just saying, guys, if we're going to be a church that's going to really make disciples and build love, We've got to make ourselves available. Look what it says here in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Because we loved you, Paul says this to a church in Thessalonica, we were happy to share not only God's good news with you, but even our own lives. It was more than a Bible study. More than a class. He says, you had become so dear to us. How do I know if I'm loving other disciples like Jesus? Just look at your time. What you're doing with your time. One of the toughest things, I want to tell you, one of the toughest things about my job is is trying to get to know everybody here. Trying to be close to everybody. And it's impossible. I know some of you leave here going, man, he made me feel guilty. Well, hey, I go away, go home feeling guilty every Sunday because I don't get to say hi to every one of you. And yes, I have my regulars that want to take up my time and and they, hey, Ken, how you doing? And I'm watching some of you go by. Hey, how you doing? Have a good weekend. Yeah. Hey, how's the kids? What happened over there? You know, and I feel like a, a goalie, and here comes the whole Chicago Blackhawk bench. <laughs> They're going to get by me. I, I can't. I cannot survive. You say, well, Tim, you need to. You need to understand. You can't be close to everybody. It's impossible. Okay. It's impossible for you to be close to everybody too, right? So it's impossible for me, and it's impossible for you. But is it possible that all of us, every one of us, could connect with somebody? That's possible. Are you connecting with anybody besides me in the pulpit every Sunday? Is it going to be more than that? 
you're not going to grow like that. And you're sure not going to experience or express the love that Jesus talks about that goes on between disciples. Number two, we love each other like Jesus when I'm serving other disciples. You know, a big way to express your love is serve. Is to serve. Here's what, uh, up here on the screen, here's 1 Corinthians 13 out of two different uh, versions of the Bible. Amplified says, Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. I get the impression it's saying it serves. Look at the message how it says it. Love isn't always me first. It's about others. Here's how John says, again, who learned to love like Jesus, who heard this statement that Jesus made um, in John 13. Here's how it starts in John 13.1. It was almost time for the Jewish Passover festival. Jesus knew that the time had come for Him to leave this world and go back to the Father. Jesus had always loved the people in the world who were His. Now was the time He showed them His love the most. Now there's some translation issues here in this passage. Some people believe He's talking about the cross. I think one translation says, and now He's going to show them His love. The, the best of His love, you know, in that sense. Well, what's going on here? Well, Jesus rents an upper room. He's going to have a Passover meal with His disciples. And during the meal, and if you've ever get together with a bunch of people, they're all eating, there's lots of commotion, clanging, banging, chewing, maybe a little burping here and there, you know. And, and, and they're talking, lots of talk. I was at a reception last night and it was crazy. Kids were screaming loud. Grandmas were, you know, screaming at the grandkids, screaming loud. There was lots of commotion, lots of dancing, lots of fun, lots of music. DJs right up on the mic. It's a crazy meal. And so they're having a lot of this, this cafeteria noise going on in this upper room. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks up in the middle of it, and it's still going on. He walks over, grabs a basin of water, and gets a towel, walks back, bends over, starts washing the first guy's feet, and it's like <clears throat> the bottom of that sound is gone. It's dead quiet. What's he doing? He's washing feet. Somebody forget to get somebody. To, there's always supposed to be somebody to wash the feet when you come into a room under Jewish custom. There's always somebody there to do that. And nobody, nobody, did you get him? I didn't get him. You should have got him. Why did, why do I, why do I have to plan everything? You should have, I only brought ice. Back and forth, back and forth. And he's washing. He works his way over to, to John. He's washing John's feet. You can just imagine. This is his closest friend. Jesus, what's going through this man's his mind? I'm washing the feet of somebody who will always follow me right to the cross, to the foot of the cross. He's going to be holding my mom when I have to say some things to my mother and to him. He's going to be taking care of my mother. What a faithful guy. I could just see him really just washing those feet. And he moves his way, and here's Peter. Stick your feet out here, Peter. I'm not going to wash my feet. Why do we argue with Jesus? You're not going to wash my feet. Well, i got to wash your feet. Well, if you're going to wash me, wash all of me. <laughs> Why is he so dramatic? You ever met people like that? They're all dramatic. Look what I'm doing. You're going to wash all of, all of me. And Jesus goes, you don't need a bath. It's just your feet. I don't think it's a good idea. 
I hit some cow patties out there. It's a bad idea. And he goes, look, if I don't wash your feet, you're not a part of this. In other words, if, if you don't let me serve you, if service isn't going to happen in this room, you're not going to be a part of it. Stick those dogs out there. And so he starts washing his, his feet. And he's washing the feet of a guy who will distance himself within a few days and follow Jesus at a distance and deny Him. But those feet would come back. And He's washing those feet. Then He works His way around to Judas. And He starts washing His feet. Now, I'll tell you something. I got to thinking about this the other day. I was looking at the passage going, why didn't the disciples know that Judas was the betrayer? Remember when He said, hey, somebody's going to betray me. It's in this room. Is it me? Is it me? 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 Him? 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 Me? 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 Nobody knew it was Judas. Why not? Two reasons. One, Judas could hide it really well. The other, Jesus did, washed his feet like all the others. Because if there was a time and an opportunity to show which guy, let me wash your feet. Snap! Oh, sorry, Judas, your big toes broke. Oh, what's this one here that went wee, wee, wee all the way? Oh, yeah! And then the Bible would say, and then Judas got up and limped as he walked away. No, it was... He washed his feet just like anyone else's. Is there a lesson there for us about loving disciples that disappoint us, that hurt us? It sure is for me. You didn't measure up. You messed up. Well, I still serve you. I still serve you. Those are the feet. Guys, He washes the feet of a man who walks away from Him, brings back, brings back the people that would arrest Him and crucify Him, and walks away and never comes back. He didn't serve with strings attached. He just served because He loved His disciples. Is there a lesson here? I think there is. I think there is. He says, do you understand what I've just done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and, and it's right that you do so because that is what I am. I, your Lord and teacher, have just washed your feet. Then you should wash one another's. I have set you an example for you. And look at this. That you will do just what, as, just what I have done for you. In other words, I want you to love me like I have loved you. I've set you an example. I want you to serve each other like I've served you. And how do you know? He's not talking about foot washing. He's talking about the way we look at each other. He's not telling you the truth. Here's how I know. I tell you the truth. No slaves are greater than the master and no messengers are greater than the one who sent me. What's he trying to say there? He's simply saying, I'm a servant and you're a servant. And we never, listen to me, we never get mature and big shot enough that it's beneath us. We just serve. Because that's how you express love to others. Especially to other disciples. And he says, now that you know this, how happy you will be if you'll put it into practice. Guys, sometimes I know that um, I'm not on my A game attitude-wise for you. And because of that, I think it's, there's times I feel like I've hurt you. I've hurt the church here. I want you to know something. 
when I read passages like this, I want to be on my A game here because I, I know that if, if I'm happier, you're going to be happier. If you're happier, I'm going to be happier. And how do we make, how do we make that, make the, take, take up our emotions of joy and happiness up a notch by bowing and serving, being a servant, especially to other disciples, especially to each other. I don't think we'd ever have to print an invitation to invite anybody here if we were, if we had a reputation like that. We wouldn't have to print up things and give this to your friends. Word of mouth would be enough. And it would glorify God. Look at the Bible says here. My brothers and sisters, God called you to be free, but don't use your freedom as an excuse to do what pleases your sinful self. Serve each other in love. He's talking to a church. He's talking about we love each other. We fulfill that new commandment that's, that's describes what we are to do between one another. So we serve. We become a place that, that loves like Jesus and makes disciples and loves disciples when I, when you and I, decide to be servants. Number three, I love, we love like Jesus as a church when I will make sacrifices for other disciples. When I'm willing to make some sacrifices, I have misread this passage for years. John 15. Love each other as I have loved you. This is what I'm commanding you to do. The greatest love you can show is to give your life for your friends. What's he saying there? Love isn't selfish. It's generous. So generous that it's sacrificial. Now, if you're a parent, you know this. Because as a parent, you will go without so your kids can have. Am I right? Years ago, I was six, seven years old. You know, back when I was a kid, you didn't get chicken cut up for you. You didn't go to the store and go, I'm going to get a package of thighs or a package of legs or a package of breasts. No, you got the whole chicken at IGA, if I remember. I think there was a time, though, they did, maybe they might cut it in half for you. But mom would, mom would bring home a chicken, and sometimes we would butcher a chicken to have for supper. And as we were preparing the chicken, I know how to cut a chicken up. And I've cut thousands of them up. I don't know if that's a brag or whatever, but it, that's not going to be on your resume, of course. Okay. But, but I, we're, you know, she would cut the chicken up. You'd have the, the two legs. Now, there was me and two brothers and my dad and mom for supper. Two legs, two thighs, two breasts. But there was, that's usually what, that's it. But we had the back and the wings, the back and the neck. The neck. And she'd fry it all up. And we'd come in. Now, what do you think I was going for? The leg. I want to be like King Henry VIII in the movies. Where's that my bring out the wine? Bring out the winches. You know. And I'd throw the bone over pick up your bone. Sorry, mom, you know. Thigh, leg, dad's over there with you know, breast, thigh, there's Mike over here. You know what my mom's eating? The neck. The neck I kid you not. And the back. 
You guys remember the back of a chicken? Not a lot of meat there. You know, there's those little pockets you can pop out with your fingers and pop them in your mouth. Am I right? Those are little places. That's it. It's all skinny, winny, and greasy. My mom is gnawing on the neck and gnawing on the back. And I remember saying, six, seven, I go, hey, mom, why do you always pick the neck and the back? And she goes, well, they're my favorite parts. Here I'm chewing on my leg, you know. Wow, well, that's cool. Then one day I decided I was going to try the neck. I grab the neck before she does. And I go, <laughs> You ever ate a neck? I've ate a neck. Little bit, it's like, it's worse than picking out crab meat. It is, it's like you got a pit, a pit, and I'm going, This is crazy! It hits me. It hits me. Mom's picking the neck so I can have the leg. Mom's picking the back so I can have the thigh. I was never the same after that. Never the same. Parents understand sacrifice. You know, um, but our sacrifice mindset just kind of goes there. It doesn't go beyond much than our kids. If we were honest, it's... And Jesus says, oh, it needs to go much further. Much further. Because because you you make sacrifices. The greatest love you can show, and He's telling this to His, his group of guys, His disciples, is to give up your life for your friends. Look, that was John saying this. Later in life, John would pin these words in 1 John. He, this, this moment with Jesus and John 13 resonated with John the rest of his life. Look what it says here. This is how we... Oh, I love this, the way the message says this. This is how we've come to understand and experience love. If I want to understand the love of God and experience the love of God, he says, here's how it happens. Christ sacrificed His life for, plural, us. I think it should be personal, but as a church, do we think about that? Christ sacrificed His life for us. For us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially, sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out of ourselves. I said earlier, I've always misunderstood. I feel like I've misunderstood this passage in John 13. And even in John 3, it kind of gives me clarity. Is it about the cross, laying down your life for your friends? We have that on statues of veterans all over our nation. Greater love has no man than lay down his life for his friends. We understand it. It includes that. But it, it, it isn't excluding other ways of sacrifice, folks. That there's other ways I can sacrifice than jumping out in front of a bullet for somebody. He, he, here's how I know. Look what he says here. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears. You made it disappear. See, you and I have a stake in this. What's the love going to be like? What kind of love am I going to have in this church? Is it going to be the kind of love I define from my parents? Is it going to be the kind of love that gets defined by my experiences, my childhood experiences? These are not good, these are not good sources. Not always good sources, are they? Or is it going to be Jesus Himself be the standard bearer for how I'm going to love 
very challenging when you stop and think about it. I'm asking you this morning, are we going to be a church when we see something, we're going to do something about it and not expect someone else to take care of it? Well, I, I, I need to call Mike. I need to call Alan. I need to call Tim or Garrett. I'm not saying you can't do that. You can do that. But why did God let you see it? Could it be He wants you involved in it? Because the professionals do it, well, they have to do it because they get paid to do it. But when you don't get paid for it and do it, there's no explanation but love. Man, boy, that'd be awesome. That'd be so awesome to see. And when it happens, it is awesome. Number four, I got to hurry now. Number four, we love like Jesus loved his uh, loves his disciples and us when I express God's love through affection. Oh boy, what are you saying? Well, we need to genuinely care for each other. And how do you show that? You know, I know people that can serve and it's not very loving. Though it's an act of service, it isn't very, doesn't come across very kind, very nice. Look at what the Bible says here. Love each other with genuine affection. Affection? Affection. We're to love each other with affection. I remember one time my mom, when she first moved up here, she said, one time she said, uh, I don't want anybody hugging me. You guys do too much of that. I don't want anybody touching me or hugging me. I said, Mom, you keep that scowl on your face and I guarantee you nobody is going to bother you or touch you. And she goes, okay, I get it, I get it. I said, well, I just... Everybody needs a word, a look, and a touch. Look at this passage up here on the screen. Give each other a warm greeting. How do you do that? How do you give each other in the church a warm greeting? You're kind, you're sweet, you're thoughtful, your eyes say it, your mouth says it, your body language expresses it. You know, Jesus showed lots of affection. Here in uh, this passage up here in Mark 10, remember, remember when the, he, he wanted the kids to come up to him and he wanted to touch them, it says, and the disciples said, we're not going to have any of that touchy-feely stuff here. And Jesus goes, he gets angry. Well, yes, we are. Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to children. And we need to be like children. And says, and so what's it does? He brings them into his arms. Is he hugging them? Oh my. I don't know which is better. I'm not, I, it's a toss up for me. Denise hugging me? My son's hugging me? Or my grandbaby's hugging me. Boy, that's a toss-up, man. Because when they hug, boy, they're all good at it. What is it? I, I'm a touchy guy. I like touch. You touch me, ooh. Some of you go, you touch me, I go, ooh. Well, I'm not saying you have to walk around and, you know, hug everybody and all the time. But, you know, we've got to learn how to be affectionate. How do you practice affection? It's so important. Jesus hugged people. He gave people... One time He gave a guy, He looked at him, it says, and loved him. His eyes just lit up. I don't know. 
he looked at that rich man and loved him and goes, and the rich man, you could just see, go, uh-oh, here it comes. He's getting ready to say it to me. I can see it in his eyes. And Jesus says it so kindly with such respect. And I think he kissed his disciples. I think they kissed a lot. A lot. Now some of you are going, oh no, don't, don't show those verses. There's four or five of them. Greet one another holy kiss. Romans 16, 16 says up on the screen. Give each other a special greeting of love when you meet. Now don't let these verses scare you. Don't let them intimidate you. Let them encourage you to figure out a way to express yourself with affection. Now I know some of you fellas, I'm not going to blame the ladies. I figure there's always some fellas going, Hey man, thanks. Jesus, Tim just said, you know, you're supposed to greet me the holy kiss. What what happened? Jesus, you know, the holy kiss was like a handshake. It was a greeting. And so Jesus was always kissing His disciples. Because that's how they greeted one another. So it's like a handshake. Now some of you guys are going, oh. And even a handshake can be cheap, right? It needs to be genuine. A hug needs to be pure. Rex Crossland, he's 6'6", preaches up at Springfield. Every time I see him, in public or private, we hug, and his big old whiskery cheeks hit my... He gives me a kiss and goes, Man, that's holy. <laughs> and I go... I feel like uh, that kid in Goonies and Chunk, you know. Oh, your breath smells like fish guts. I know it's kind of makes me. I'm like, I'm a touchy guy, but that's you know. But he, but he's right. It's holy. It's holy. I mean, I say this to make you laugh because I know this gets a little tense here. We talk about being affectionate to one another. But guys, I'm not, and again, I'm not saying you have to, you know, lock lips. I, I'm simply saying, why can't we be enthusiastic when we see each other and not be a fake or canned or put on, that it be genuine. Well, how do I get there? Jesus genuinely cares about me and is affectionate to me. And if He, if he were in a body, He would hug me and kiss me on the cheek, look me in the eye, and talk about how proud He is of me, how much how much for me He is, I could just see it in the way He walks toward me. And I want to tell you, that's the kind of life we need to imitate around here. If we're going to have love, it's one of the ways we can do that. Look at, look at what Paul said here. God Himself knows how much I want to see you. This is my Anakin Skywalker verse. You remember what Anakin said? I can't breathe. That's what he's really saying here. He's really saying it like that. Let me, let me read it again. God Himself knows how I want to see you. He knows I care. I can't breathe. The, that, that phrase, He knows how, that I care. I have the affection of Jesus toward you. That's what it literally means. I have this affection. And look, He says, He knows that I care. And look what it says here. For, for, I, he knows that I care for you in the same way that Christ Jesus does. 
He's saying, I, have, I love you the way Jesus loved me. And so I have a great affection for you. And I don't hide it. That's His sweetheart church. That's what the Philippian church is known as. His sweetheart church. Paul's sweetheart church. Is this your sweetheart church? Or are you looking elsewhere? Is this your, is this your church? You go, oh man, when I'm away, I listened to somebody, I kid you not, last week. I said, Tim, I've been gone a while. And I've been around and I've been to all the churches. She didn't say a lot of them. All of them. I go, oh, all of them. And he goes, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming back. And I go, why? Why doesn't my hand work when I want it to? Why didn't it do that? Why would you do that? I say things, I say the dumbest thing. One time I said to somebody, why are you here? I get to get surgery to get this hand to respond quicker. But I said, why? Tim, I've learned some good stuff, but I've learned a lot of bad stuff out there. And there's no place like this place. I'm like, really? Because I sometimes go, ah. We've been criticized so much. Beat up so much. We've got to stop letting the critics define who we are. Huh? And let our Creator define who we are. I gave her a big hug. It was good to see her. She's out of town today. She's going to be back. We've got to be a place that, that really is an environment of love. A fifth thing, and it won't be long here. Let's, let's do this one. We're a place that loves like Jesus loves us when I initiate God's love toward other disciples. What do you mean? When I'm the first I make the first move and I initiate the love. I can't wait for love to come my way. I can't wait for somebody to love me. See, a lot of times, sermons like this, some of you will be sitting down and going, yeah, nobody serves me. Yeah, nobody sacrifices me. You're missing the point, if that's your point today. Because it's not about what you're getting. We, listen, if you keep doing a good job of getting, we're never going to make any disciples. And some of you are doing a fantastic job of getting we got to have some people that are willing to give that side of love. That side of love. Ephesians 5. Well, I didn't know where to put this verse, Alan, because it could have been anywhere. Live a life of love. And look what it says. Love others just as Christ loved us. He says it to another church. Live this life of love. The same love that comes from Jesus. See, loving others is not conditional. God's love, it can't be conditional. Well, if you don't measure up, I quit loving you. You hurt me, I quit loving you. You disappointed me, I quit loving That's all conditional. And I'm familiar with that. I've loved a lot of people like that. Well, this here's a command. And what that means is that too many of us here are waiting for someone to love us before we'll love them back. If you love me, then I'll love you. And if you wait for somebody to love you, you're going to be waiting a long time. Why is that true? Two reasons. Let me give you two reasons. Number one, human beings are not prone to initiate love. You and I weren't born to go, Mommy, Daddy, give me, give me a hug. No, we were born thinking of ourselves. 
There's the, there's the sad cry, the mad cry, the hurt cry, and the hungry cry, the poopy cry. And nobody knows the difference except mom. I don't get it. I hear them. Sounds like you're wrong. We're born this way. We're, we're not prone to initiate love. Here's a second reason. That's because human beings are not the source of love. I do not have God's love in me that I made it myself. I'm not the, I, that's why your love and my love wears out over time. We have to be replenished by it all the time. We have to get God's love again and again and again to understand it, to receive it, to experience it. Otherwise, we, we can't love. Look how, well again, look how John says this. And by the way, I did not plan this sermon to have all these John verses. I didn't notice it until the first service. So God's up to something here. Look at it says here. We love. We love because He first loved us. Who initiated the love? Yeah, we didn't ask Jesus to come down here. For God so loved the world, or the reason God came to the world was because somebody asked Him to come. Nobody was asking. Nobody was saying, come, hurry up. He'd forgotten about the Messiah by this time. Oh, maybe a remnant here and there. No, He came from heaven to earth. Because of love. He was the first to initiate it. And because of that, because Jesus loves you and loves you first, He gives you and I the ability to love others. Especially other disciples. Other disciples. I want to say this to you. Some of you here, if you're having a difficult time loving, it's because you're going to have, I'm going to say this, you're going to have a difficult time loving until you have a good relationship with God. I know that from experience. Until you have a good relationship with Jesus Christ, with God, you're going to have a hard time loving people. Because there's something about experiencing His love that fills me with His love that gives me the capacity to share His love. So this morning, I just want to challenge this church, very own church. Let us be a place. Let us be a place that isn't content with neighborly love. You're not sitting next to your neighbor. Come on. You're sitting next to another disciple. And let's, let's, let's work on being a place. We all have to do this. I can't do this by myself. You can't do this by myself. That's why everybody in the seat, you all, you all matter here. Let's create a church that makes disciples by loving disciples the way Jesus loved you and me. There's a card in your bulletin and there's a chance for you to respond. You've been so patient. Thanks so much. And I just want to ask you if you take that card out. If you, maybe, you, maybe there's a prayer request. You know, Maybe you're not known as somebody who's very loving. Why don't you ask God to help you with that? Break your heart if it has to be or, or soften your heart. Maybe you're not somebody... You know, you're, you you think of yourself most of the time. You don't realize. Just ask. I would, you ought to be praying. God, give me insight to see what what am I really about? Where's my heart really at? Give me a heart of a servant. Help me sacrifice when it's time to to make a sacrifice. Help me express in a kind, affectionate way 
my love to other disciples. Help me be the first to do it, not wait for it to happen, but initiate it. God, richly bless you. Use this card as, as a time. Maybe there's someone sick. Maybe there's somebody that's ill. I know Jason and Mark Langrader lost their mother this week. Be praying for them. You know, and so um, lots of stuff like that going on. Um, Jennifer McBride, I believe, is still home, but I know she's not doing the greatest. So, so just be thinking about that. Think about, you know, maybe there's somebody you want to put on that card. I look at all those cards and pray over those cards, by the way, as well as the worship, uh, the uh, or the prayer ministry does. They they pray over those cards too. So take advantage of it because prayer works. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for being so kind to us. Your Son, Jesus, being so kind to us, Father. Father, thank You for carving out, making time, being there for us, coming to earth, and serving. Your, your, you know, your Son served You. He was an obedient servant that sacrificed. Father, that was just... I remember, remember He saying something like, He longed to gather Jerusalem like a mother hen gathers her chicks, wants to hug us all, Father. Father, we pray that, that we'll, we'll be like this. That, we'll, we'll not, that our scope of love won't be limited to our best friends or our family, but it will stretch and it will expand into looking at this special bond that we find, this special fellowship of being believers in Your Son. Well, I pray. I just pray. You know, for some of us here, it may be forgiving somebody. It may be, it may simply be saying, "I messed up. I'm sorry." Father, it may simply be, "I need to, I need to invite you into my life and let you be a part of my life. I need to open up." Father, whatever it be, I pray, Father, that we be a church that that just creates the kind of love, the level of love, to make disciple making possible. Pray, Father, you, you comfort Jason and Mark because it's a tough time when you lose a parent. Help us, Father, as friends and, and as other disciples really rally around them and, and love them and let them know that we care for them and to share that load of loss with them. Beautiful day, Lord. We're getting ready to leave. Help us be lovers. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.